Global Voices on Taiwan. Hello and welcome to Global Voices on Taiwan. I'm Rath Wang, a news producer and host. Hello, everybody. I'm Vincent Chow. I work for President Lai Jingde as his uh, head of international affairs at the DPP. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we'll be exploring with you how the latest world events from near and afar and how they impact Taiwan and how this island nation shakes the world. We're here to invite international journalists, experts, policymakers, and in this case, um, very um, good economists and professional economists um, here to share their thoughts on not only current events here in Taiwan, but also around the world. We're very happy to have Chris Miller from the United States. Chris is the author of the New York Times bestseller, Chip War. Chris is a professor at Tufts University and also a fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. His views are shared frequently among global think tanks, governments, and among the world's business executives. Welcome to the podcast, Chris. Jumping right into the million-dollar question, why does Taiwan matter so much to the world, especially in global technology and innovation? Well, when it comes to the tech sector and when it comes to manufacturing supply chains, uh, more generally, Taiwan is important above all uh, because of its central role in the world's semiconductor industry. Uh, today, the majority of the world's most advanced processor chips are uh, manufactured in Taiwan at TSMC, uh, but also the entire Taiwanese chip industry, including other firms that manufacture chips, as well as companies that design or package chips, play a really central role uh, in the way the entire world's tech sector gets the chips on which computing uh, depends. And so Taiwan is a, an absolutely irreplaceable player uh, when it comes to the production of the computing that we've all come to rely on. Chris, um, going back to your book, uh, The Chip War, um, you've spoken extensively about how the U.S.-China chip war has reshaped tech supply chains. And how is that taking place in the context of Taiwan? Is it beneficial to Taiwan? How should Taiwan be thinking about these issues? Well, I think there are, are opportunities as well as challenges that uh, the China-U.S. tech competition poses uh, for Taiwan. On, on the one hand, the uh, intensification of tensions in this space is a challenge for uh, companies that are operating in the tech sector. They've had to deal with new regulations, uh, in some cases higher costs, uh, new uh, concerns about how they do their business. and. Uh, in general, there's been a desire in many different regions to have more regional production and less globalized production. And so that means producing more for Europe in Europe, more for the Western Hemisphere in the Western Hemisphere, uh, et cetera. And any type of uh, push for more regional supply chains is going to have inevitable impacts on uh, countries that are uh, are structured around more international or global supply chains. And Taiwan is a, a critical example of that. And so that's a challenge that I think Taiwan uh, faces right now as uh, many countries push towards a bit more regionalization uh, and uh, away from the levels of uh, globalization that we've seen over the past couple of decades. But I think there's also a lot of opportunities uh, for Taiwan as well. And it, as you in particular look at as uh, foreign companies, uh, uh, whether U.S. companies, Japanese companies, Korean companies, uh, look at uh, China and see 
and increasing levels of risk when it comes to R&D, when it comes to manufacturing, when it comes to assembly in China. Taiwan has actually been a beneficiary as companies have looked to move their R&D capabilities to other countries in the region and look to shift uh, manufacturing assembly outside of China. And so I think it's a complex story uh, for Taiwan. Uh, and, you know, I think uh, the fact that we've seen increases in the investment of U.S. firms, for example, in Taiwan over the past couple of years, uh, despite or in some cases because of uh, the increase in China, China-U.S. tensions, uh, illustrates uh, the way in which Taiwan uh, has a really complex relationship to some of these broader global trends. Despite all the hype um, around Taiwanese chips and TSMC and you mentioned that this is actually beneficial to Taiwan um, in the long run. But um, you talked about how U.S. core interests lie in Taiwan and how um, Taiwan mattered immensely to the U.S. even before Taiwan had semiconductors, had chips. Can you talk a bit about that? Well, that's right. I think a lot of people today look at Taiwan's central role in semiconductor supply chains and say Taiwan matters because of semiconductors. Well, that's right. I think a lot of people today look at Taiwan's central role in semiconductor supply chains and say Taiwan matters because of semiconductors. And I think that's uh, historically an inaccurate claim. And I, the best evidence for it is that even before semiconductors had been invented, there was a very close partnership between the United States and Taiwan. If you rewind the clock back to the 1950s, the first chips were invented in 1958, 1959. But uh, earlier uh, that decade were uh, saw periods of really uh, high levels of tension between uh, China and Taiwan, China and the U.S., and a very close partnership beginning to form between the U.S. and uh, Taiwan. And so I think that speaks to the fact that actually uh, Taiwan is important uh, for a, a large number of reasons. Semiconductors is certainly one, but it would be wrong, I think, to... Uh, to uh, describe Taiwan's importance as solely being about chips. Uh, and I think it would also be wrong to argue that the U.S.-Taiwan partnerships is primarily based around semiconductors because, of course, the, the Taiwan-U.S. partnership predates even the invention of the first semiconductor. Many people looking at Taiwan's central role in the world chip industry argue that Taiwan is important for the rest of the world because of the chips that it produces. And it's obviously important for that reason, but it would be wrong, I think, to reduce... Taiwan's uh, significance to just chips. And in fact, when you look at the U.S.-Taiwan relationship, which now dates back over half a century, uh, what you find is that the U.S. and Taiwan have been very close partners since even before the first semiconductors uh, were invented, to say nothing of uh, the fact that it, the, the partnership dates well before uh, Taiwan became a major producer of semiconductors. It's really only in the past three decades that Taiwan has played, uh, come to play Central and have been uh, quite close for many decades now, and have uh, with that partnership has withstood um, uh, some very intense pressure uh, in the peak of the uh, decades of the Cold War. And again, that was all before chips were invented. So I think there's a lot at stake uh, in the U.S.-Taiwan relationship uh, beyond uh, beyond simply the production of semiconductors. Thank you, Chris, for that. I, and I think that is important context for many people that focus uh, increasingly now exclusively on the economic angle, but lose the strategic aspects of our past relationship. And, you know, going back to chips for a second, Chris, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, because many of the actors that we talk about today, they're private enterprises. TSMC is a private enterprise. Many of these semiconductor supply chain components are all private enterprises. How do you encourage private companies to uh, adopt more strategic thinking, particularly about partnerships 
and about um, ensuring that um, that these technologies don't fall into the wrong hands. And 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 let me put that into context of I think what the U.S. has done over past years is they've worked to um, forge sanctions, uh, broad-based policy initiatives. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, I think um, we've seen the implications of that, and 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 some of that has been successful. Uh, but at the same time, we've also seen that it hasn't been entirely successful. I mean, China continues to forge ahead on its own chip production. I mean, Huawei, the newest Huawei phone, is using um, uh, chips that people think are five nanometers. Um, I mean, how can we continue to ensure that these private companies? adopt more strategic thinking to continue to ensure that um, the right technologies don't fall into the wrong hands? Well, I think the answer to this question is partly about what companies do, but also partly about what governments do. I think we should expect that companies will naturally sell to any customers that they're legally allowed to sell to. And companies are going to look to governments for guidance about areas they can do business and areas they can't do business. And of course, they're going to lobby governments to get access to as much market as they possibly can. But I think first and foremost, foremost, governments need to be very clear with companies uh, regarding what types of business they see as acceptable and what types are not acceptable. And they should make illegal any types of business. They don't want government. They don't want businesses uh, to be undertaking. I, I don't think it's right to ask businesses to make the types of judgments that we're discussing, because this is ultimately the type of judgments that governments are supposed to make. Um, And governments, I think, have been learning over the past couple of years how to be clearer uh, when it comes to the relationship with companies. And we've seen uh, a number of key governments, not only the the U.S., but also others, introduce a new set of uh, regulatory regimes that are intended to govern technology transfer, uh, investment, and other types of uh, knowledge and expertise flows uh, between uh, them and uh, and China. And so I think we're going to see over the next couple of years, governments continuing to hone and to develop these types of uh, regulatory mechanisms so that they can provide clear guidance to, co- to companies about what types of activities are or not acceptable. For companies, there's uh, also a challenge, which is that companies have to uh, build up the ability uh, in-house to uh, undertake uh, due diligence on the types of uh, companies in China that they're transacting with. And I think For many companies in the tech sector over the past several decades, they didn't really have to think very hard. Who were they doing business with? Who were they uh, transferring technology to? Because if it was civilian technology, uh, there were simply no questions that were being asked. And now we see that even civilian technology is often actually dual use in terms of its implications. And so uh, segments of the economy like the tech sector that didn't have to think about export controls in the past do have to think about them uh, now. And so many companies are in the process of building up their capabilities to make sure that they're in full compliance with this type of new regulation. Just to follow up, Chris, so I think what you're saying is that governments do play the most major role in shaping how this sector and how this industry um, can interact with uh, other partners, other countries for that matter. Um, and that government should continue doing so. And, and I'm, I'm curious because um, we hear this often, uh, which is secure supply chains. And we hear comments often about uh, the United States working with Taiwan, um, the Netherlands, Japan, and other major chip players to forge uh, some sort of greater 
um, network of um, not only uh, chip manufacturers, but chip, you know, IC design machinery that produce chips from the Netherlands, ASML in that matter, and so forth. And do you think this effort is ultimately going to be successful? And what are some of the factors that would cause it to be successful or, or not? Um, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts here. I think there are, are two factors that are most important. One is that uh, we need to make sure that policies are as closely aligned as possible between the U.S., Japan, uh, Taiwan, the Netherlands, South Korea, uh, and other countries that are relevant. And I think there's been an alignment process underway over the past couple of years, but uh, I think there are still plenty of spheres in which further alignment is going to be necessary. Ultimately, if, if one country is pursuing uh, a slightly different policy than others, that creates gaps uh, that we should expect uh, China to exploit. And so ultimately, alignment is in everyone's interest, uh, even if individual firms and individual countries will want to find loopholes for themselves, the governments should recognize and our society should recognize that we want as much alignment as possible. So we uh, make sure there isn't any leakage in any export controls that are imposed. So I think that's the first uh, thing to think about. The second thing to think about is that Export controls are only uh, one part of a, a competition strategy. And the second part, which is probably the more important part, is the R&D process. Because ultimately, in the chip industry, you can get a little bit of advantage by holding back your rival. But most of the advantage is uh, provided by racing ahead of your rival. And racing ahead is something that both uh, Taiwanese and U.S. firms have been very, very good at, which is why they're industry leaders in fabrication, uh, IC design, and other segments of the chip industry. And so I think a key uh, a focus next to the control aspect has got to be our, our collective efforts to focus on R&D and finding uh, new ways for uh, U.S. and Taiwanese firms to collaborate, to push forward the boundary of what's technologically possible is going to be just as important in the long run as any control efforts. Yeah, you talked about R&D and um, alignment. And, um, you know, a lot of people here, I think, in Taiwan are asking, um, with TSMC going to the U.S. to Arizona and also other um, Taiwanese chip makers going to other parts of the world, we see them going to Europe, going to Japan. Um, does this actually reinforce R&D, the alliance that you talked about um, in pushing forward with innovation? Or do you feel it um, actually hinders Taiwanese competitive advantage? If you look at the um, decision by TSMC to open facilities in, in the U.S. and Germany and Japan, uh, I think this is an opportunity as well as a challenge. It's a challenge because TSMC is becoming a firm with a much more global manufacturing footprint than it's ever had before. And, and I think any company undertaking this type of shift in its operating model is going to face challenges. But I think it also offers opportunities if it lets TSMC work more closely with some of its key customers. Uh, it's easy to imagine ways in which this could uh, further cement TSMC's role, not only at the center of Taiwan's chip-making ecosystem, but also make it a bigger player in the German chip ecosystem or the, the Japanese chip ecosystem. But I think there are also a lot of opportunities for TSMC to embed itself more deeply in the uh, German and Japanese uh, industrial structure, for example, to work more closely with customers uh, in, in those geographies as well as uh, in the U.S. There's plenty of ways you can imagine this is actually positive for TSMC's uh, R&D capabilities and positive for uh, its market position. 
uh, over the long run. But then when you step back and look at the broader Taiwanese semiconductor ecosystem, I think there's a ton of opportunity, system, especially in the chip design space. Well, thank you so much for your insights. It's really fantastic. Chris, you've been sort of a trailblazer on this issue, and you've been so outspoken, uh, not only about semiconductors in general, but about Taiwan's importance. And for that, we are grateful. So thank you for being a guest here on our podcast today. To ensure that you don't miss out on exciting insights from this island's captivating stories, make sure to subscribe on your preferred podcast or social media platform. You can also view the full episode on YouTube. Take care and see you next time.